Also, things that I'm saying, like that are coming out of my mouth are not making sense. I think my brain is a little fried today. So um, if at any time I'm not making sense, please just stop me and um, do what John did and say, hey, can you please rephrase that comment? <laughs> I was thinking about that because my brain is feeling a little fried too. And I was like, we literally changed the time of when we record this so that this doesn't happen. And what I'm I know. figuring out is that Ellie and Ellen just don't know how to speak very well. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we shouldn't be doing a podcast. <laughs> in conclusion all right well um let's go ahead and kick it off here welcome back guys to another episode of oh here's a little marketing for you i'm ellie hicks <laughs> i'm ellen cernko i'm john young i can't do the the midwest accent as good as ellen can um but it's just a reminder good. guys each week we're going to talk a little bit about um how to get the most out of your marketing as a small business or a nonprofit organization and this week, we're actually going to be talking about the importance of integrating video content into your marketing strategy and how to do so effectively, but not before we talk about yet another change coming down from Facebook slash meta business. Um, so <laughs> womp womp. Can we enter sound effects? Like, <laughs> um, we'll, we'll get some sound um, effects from Scarlett. Yeah, I've got here. I'm gonna, let's see if I can do this. Yeah, that's how I feel about wow. it. Wow. There we go. Yeah. That's that one one. was intense. Um, okay. About sums it up. So, um, yeah, Ellen, since you were the one to originally let our team know, do you want to kind of describe or explain a little bit about what's going on here with Facebook business pages? Sure. So I will say, like, as I have been diving more into it, I kind of like it, which is how it always ends up going. I'm, like, upset at first because people don't like change. And then I... I start to like it again. Um, so basically what you're going to start seeing, if you have a Facebook page for a business or for an organization, um, you're going to see this pop-up come up. They're kind of rolling it out in stages. So we just started to see it happen with some of our clients. Um, and so there are probably other businesses that have already received it. Um, but basically, if you switch any company page over to this new change, it's going to be more like how organization pages used to be on Facebook. So it's no longer um, like a page you're going to go visit and then you choose to edit or interact as that page. You're actually going to have to switch over to that page's profile. So like in the top right, if you're looking on desktop, you'll see you know your normal profile picture. And then if you click on it, you'll be able to switch between the different profiles. Um, so it's nice because it's like it's a fully immersive experience when you're working within the page. Everything about what you're looking at on Facebook is specific to that organization. Um, so even things like an organization is going to have its own news feed now. Um, so it's it's very reminiscent of how the pages used to be. Um, it also reminds me a lot of what it's like to have a company page on Twitter. Um, so like when you know, a company page has a Twitter, they have their own Twitter feed. Um, and then you can kind of follow the different accounts that you want to see. So it will be nice from that perspective, because, you know, depending on who you are as an organization, you can follow different industry leaders, um, or just people that you're interested in following, and then you'll be able to easily see their information and repost when it makes sense. Um, it will just take a little bit of time to remember that if you want to see your personal Facebook, you need to switch back the entire profile in the top right. Um, and then there are a few things you need to keep in mind when you switch over. Um, so if you switch any company page over, your new posts like photos, videos, other content, and ads 
will not be rolled back to your classic page. So like say you switch over to the new page, you create a few posts, you schedule them or you create a few ads and then you decide, uh, I kind of want to go back to the classic page. If you go back, they're not going to transfer back. Um, and then, yeah, it's kind of annoying. <laughs> um, there are a few other I things as well. So much. <laughs> mm. I'm going to include a link um, for Ellie in this recap blog of basically like spelling it all out. Um, but like the biggest thing to like keep an eye on is what's going on with your ads and what's going on with your scheduled posts. So if you have more than one person that's interacting on your page, make sure that your whole team knows what's going on. Um and make sure you have a game plan for switching it over. Um, and then everything is just kind of like in a little bit of a different place now. So if you remember, like right now on a classic page, there's one click to get to the um, the planner for different posts. Now you have to do like two or three clicks in order to get to the the scheduling area for Facebook, which is kind of annoying. But well, don't worry. It'll probably change again in like three months. So yeah. just just yeah. in time. You can get used to this setup and then it'll change again. And then we can update you again when that happens. <laughs> it's true. It's just, it's just mine. I mean, I don't, I don't make software for a living. And I, I, I don't, I don't get that world. And I certainly, just certainly don't build websites that, you know, the amount of people that use meta slash Facebook slash Instagram slash Snapchat use. So like, I'm not living in that world, but it seems baffling to me that they continue to make changes that are not slight, they're drastic. And it's going to require small business owners to change their mindset of how they do things, which is good news for us because they keep changing these things and our clients or our potential clients are going to say, I don't know how to use this anymore. Or the back in the you know not quite early days of Facebook, maybe the, the middle age of Facebook where companies could only live on Facebook, like they could survive as a business owner and only have a Facebook presence. Um, most of those people have migrated away from that because that's not a uh, it's not a healthy outset for your business. But those those type of people that really rely on Facebook are going to have to say, "I can't do this anymore," because it's just it just changes too much for them to be using it every day. Because it just it we use it every day. I I've been using Facebook since the beginning, and when Ellen, when you sent me that link to look at things, I was I'm like, I'm going to figure it out. I'm smart enough to figure it out, but like, I don't want to. That's, I, I was to, just about to say that. Like, I don't want to have to figure it out every time it changes. Like, I just don't want to do it. And <laughs> it's kind of like update fatigue. It is. It, and it's just, it's updates for the sake of updates. I'm sure there's, if I dug into their their knowledge base, it would say like, this is why we made this change, or this is why we made this change. And you can, I guess you can step back and look at those changes and say, yeah, that's a little helpful there if you're not used to the old version. But in 2022, what business... Unless you're a brand new business, there isn't a business that's jumping on Facebook for the first time. I mean, some, mm-hmm. but not many. So most of most people have been used to using the other f- Facebook, and just just I don't know. I just I, I is this I, what I grinds get, your gears, John? This is what grinds yeah. my gears, but it's not my week, so I'll wait. Guys, it's not time for that yet. Come on. <laughs> Sorry. I no, I get where you're coming from, though. Like, I think these other tools that we use for businesses a lot, like they're they're very clear with their updates. Like, I, the one that comes to mind is Basecamp. Um, 100%. Like, they're very clear with this is specifically what we changed. This is how we changed it, um, and this is why. And if you don't like it, here's a really easy way for you to let us know so that we can be aware of it and make changes in the future. Um, Facebook historically just kind of makes changes and then says deal with it we don't Surprise. really care mm-hmm. um, that's the other thing just... about 
about Basecamp is they're doing it incrementally. They said we're going to yeah. be mm-hmm. doing a lot of changes over the next 18 months, yeah, which is a lot of time in terms mm-hmm. of software development. But we're going to implement like two changes every eight weeks. Maybe three. Yeah. I think the last update was like three changes, but one was pretty slight. So like that's a way to introduce change to your customer base. So yeah. we're yeah. going to be doing a lot of things to improve your experience because we've heard your feedback and we want to incorporate those things. Some things that are, you know, one of their uh, initial ones was the ability to have reoccurring tasks, which was huge for us because we have a lot of tasks that we do daily or weekly or monthly or quarterly. And so it was great for them that they introduced that. But that is... If you're not using a feature like that, that's a real minor update for them to throw at us. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to use it, it's it's not it doesn't change your user experience at all. It's just there if you want it. Where mm-hmm. Facebook's changes are not, they're there and I don't want it. Or if they are there, I didn't ask for it, but okay, I guess I'll just roll with what you've given me. Like, and I when think it does Basecamp, change, it's a surprise most of the time. It's like, oh, why does this look different? And where or did like this, this is happening go? in three days? It's not yeah. like yeah. Google, like the queen of the internet even gives us time to get readjusted to things. Like I think a good example is moving from universal analytics to GA4. Like they just started to roll out that when you set up a new account, it has to be GA4. And then they just said that I think it's next June or July that all UA accounts will move over to GA4. So, you know, they're making a really gradual process as they're working through the bugs. Um, so mm-hmm. I think, you know, we've we've come up with a few bugs when it comes to GA4, um, but there are easy ways to get around them or we're able to at least, at least submit like, hey, we found this bug, like, let's figure this out. Um, like if even Google is willing to work with their user base, then like maybe Facebook can because yeah, Facebook I mean- doesn't run the world like Google does. <laughs> And the most frustrating thing is, like you said, Ellen, if you switch over to this, the new pages and you switch back, you've lost all of that content that you might have put out when you did switch over. Now, going back to Google, I remember when they completely updated their Google ads interface. So, I mean, everything changed about the way that it looked. It was very confusing at first if you were used to the old version of Google ads went back when it was called AdWords. Um, but when it was AdWords, they had a button on everyone's account. I mean, it started out with just a few accounts that you would see it on, but there was the beta. So you could click that and switch your view, work in it. If you created new ads, new campaigns, whatever it was, if you wanted to switch back to that old view, you could do so without losing any of your data. And you had time to get used to it and, you know, go into it and, mess around in it, create campaigns. But if you weren't comfortable, if you still needed to, you know, get a campaign out quick, you could switch back to that old view. And I think that that is a wonderful way to roll out something new as opposed to giving us this um, new function and saying like, once you switch, basically you should not switch back because you're going to lose everything you've done. So, well, and it ends up feeling like you shan't. (laughs) It ends up feeling like we are all living in Facebook developers sandbox of fun instead of you know actually experiencing a finished product we end up like in the middle of building or tearing down and you don't know if it's being built or torn down um because it's so all over the place this didn't this really wasn't supposed to be our what grinds our gears (laughs) it is part and the thing is i think the reason our frustrations are, are so strong is because when used effectively social media is such a great option for small businesses um, but when it feels like you're just being 
you know, thrown from one area or functionality to another, um, it can end up being difficult to recommend a certain social media channel because it's going to end up just being such a headache for a Mm -hmm. client. Um, Now, it's funny, John, you mentioned like not a lot of people are starting fresh with Facebook. I did just set up a new page for a client today that they've never had Facebook before. So it'll be kind of fun. I haven't done that in a while. It'll be kind of fun to start it up from the ground again um, with everything being kind of fresh the way it's supposed to be. Um, So hopefully we won't turn in or we won't run into things being broken along the way. But it's it's just I don't know if I had a an ending to this thought. Well, here, I'll stop you. So luckily, if it's broken, we can call we can call their tech support because they're always happy to help us. I was kidding. I know. (laughs) Sarcasm. They don't help. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, before we before we (laughs) deviate off. I'll tell you, I, I have a little bit of insight into um, the like the, the product product development in terms of software. So I can't. I I probably signed some NDA somewhere when Google came out to do the video on Youngs. So I won't go into specifics on what features, but I remember them talking about features during our recording that didn't come out till twelve or eighteen months, or some of them still haven't come out. But I know they're working on them. Like so, that's a long tail of. Like we're testing that we're like, we're, you know, they've already tested it with a group of people and now we're testing it live with small business owners and we haven't even pushed it to where people are talking about it on the internet of like, Oh, I saw this show up in my profile. So yeah. it's, you know, it's such a long development cycle for stuff like that. But Facebook's just like, here it is. We've been working on this for a while, but surprise, everything's <laughs> different. So enjoy. Yeah. So guys just basically, you know, be on the lookout for that. Um, if you have any questions, you know, if, We'll, we'll help you guys through it. This if might you are be a little clients, bit of a segue, Ellie. A segue what? from our Facebook conversation to video. Yeah. If you have photos, videos on your Facebook, make sure they live somewhere else and not just on Facebook, please. Because mm-hmm. if they just live on Facebook and Zuckerberg decides tomorrow that Facebook is done, he does not owe you that content. And I don't want you to lose all your photos and videos that you have on there because that would be really sad. Um, so make sure you share, you keep them either on, you know, on your computer or on a cloud system somewhere in Google or Apple or something. But have it somewhere other than Facebook. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, put Thanks, it in some other, some other devil's cloud network. Like yeah, literally. <laughs> or Dropbox or whatever. Guys, we're not complaining. Sorry, any, not not until later. This is what happens when we have a later in the afternoon. I'm going to be more feisty. I know. Oh, no. we just, we've had the day to just rack up all of these complaints. But all right. So <laughs> we'll go ahead and talk about a little bit about video. Um, so should you be using video in your marketing strategy? The answer this isn't even like a oh maybe it's a yes it is if you have the ability and the means to do so you 100% should be integrating video of some kind into your marketing strategy especially today um there are a a million reasons why you should be using video but basically it just it provides a better user experience it makes it more personalized and it helps people just kind of I guess, get familiar with your brand a little easier and connect with you a little more on that level. Um, And something I like, I saw this, uh, this little bullet point somewhere, it helps you, it allows you to show and not tell your customers or your audience about your products and services and about your brand. So 
you can sit here and talk about yourself all day long, but show your audience what it is that you're doing or show them what your products are. And I think it's just video is a wonderful thing if used correctly. Mm -hmm. I think a good example of that, Ellie, is the um, Young's TikTok. Um, Mm -hmm. So they... (laughs) A lot of, I'll give a a shout out to the previous TikTok manager at Young's, Ellie Pfeiffer. She has Mm, moved on. Um, She's moved. What up other Ellie? Yeah, you (laughs) were fantastic. Great job. Um, But one of the things that she would do that I loved is that she would do walkthroughs of different areas of Young's. Um, For example, like going to play mini golf or something like that and kind of showing what the golf course looks like and what the process is. Um, So people really love kind of that immersive experience, a quick immersive experience, maybe like 20, 30 seconds of what they're going to see or, you know, where they're going to be when they're going somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really fun to kind of like bring people into that without them actually having to go yet um, because people like to have a, a full understanding of what they're doing before they actually go these days. Like we were talking about um, before I go to a restaurant, I want to see a menu um, and I want to know exactly what I'm going to order. Video is kind of the same way. If you have an immersive experience, you give people an mm-hmm. idea of what they're going to experience before they're actually there. Well, especially when they're able to like see the ice cream. Like when I have my eyes on the ice cream, I'm not saying no. Like I'm going, I'm going to get cheese curds. I'm going to get ice cream. <laughs> or even like, there. You're going to um, con me into another free lunch. Absolutely. We have, a, we have another client that um, they are a doctor and they offer very personalized plans for their patients. Um, and so before they sign up, before a patient signs up, you know, they're signing up for um, a really financially large investment with this doctor. And so they want to see videos of this doctor speaking, um, what it's like, what this doctor sounds like when they're, when they're educating them on their, on their plan before they just, you know, sign up for this large investment. So it also gives you this very like personal experience, um, without necessarily having to be there in person to sell your Mm -hmm. product or your service. Yeah. I would say, um, to, to that point that, you know, we talk about this in terms of, um, you know, business acquisition, client acquisition of the, the amount of trust that someone needs to hire you. Like if you're a mini golf course, I don't need to trust you per se that you're going to rob me or get my car broken into while I'm there. Like there's a level of trust there that's so minor. Like just don't, I just don't want to get injured at your mini golf course. But if you're talking about a large financial investment with a, like a healthcare professional or a financial planner, those are things like I, I can't just get a cold referral from someone like, Oh yeah, you should call so-and-so because they do, I, I, you know, they do my neighbor's, boyfriend's uncle's finances. So they're good. Like I'm going to need more than that to go on. So video is a good way to inject some personality into what you're talking about. And then also kind of build on that trust uh, ladder or pyramid. I don't know. Pick, pick a, pick a, uh, I don't know. It's too late in the afternoon for me to come up with good words. (laughs) Pick an analogy, pick an analogy as you will uh, that, you know, that, that builds up trust. So I kind of see what your personality is and go, yeah, I really like your personality. I'm definitely going to call you. Or I kind of like your personality. I'm going to throw you into the mix of people that I may or may not call. So mm-hmm. video is a great way to do that because you, you can only interject so much personality in a, a text Facebook post or even a picture or a, right. even a blog post. You know, a blog post, if you write it, it injects personality, in it, but not as much as a video. Like I get to see how you talk, how you interact, if you're funny or not, which is always a... Uh, you know, for me, yeah. I need all of my people to be at least somewhat funny or at least humor me when I tell a bad joke to go, hmm, okay, that was a good attempt. 
We don't even. You do. You guys do. You guys. You guys placate to me pretty well, and I appreciate that. I just laugh out of awkwardness. That's how I get out of awkward situations. I just giggle and kind of like look away. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. What's also great, what you were saying, John, about kind of getting into the different ways that you can present video. You mentioned blogs. Um, a lot of people will say, well, you know, I already have a blog on my site. And I'm like, well, yeah, that blog is great, um, but not everybody has the time or the patience or the ability to pay attention long enough to read your blog post. Um, so what would be really great is if you could record a video, even if it's just, you know, I've seen some of our clients, they'll do like a 30 second recap of what somebody can expect in the blog. Um, so just kind of like an idea and then somebody can decide if they want to listen to the whole blog. Um, some other people have, you know, done a more extensive video. They, they talk through every single point in the blog. So it makes it a little bit more accessible for, um, those potential customers that don't have the ability to read um, your article, then they can just watch the video or listen to the video. Um, So it also just creates different opportunities for the different types of users that are going to be taking in your content as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with smartphones today, and we kind of talked about this last week with like, who should you have on your digital marketing team? This is kind of the same of what level of professionalism do you need with your videos? And I would say there's a lot of depending factors, but yeah, definitely varies. Yeah. But a lot of the time, you know, most smartphones you can take out of your pocket and you can record a FaceTime video or something being a FaceTime video, a selfie video um, of what you want to say. And it's a high enough quality that you can use it on different social channels or even embedding on your on your website, depending on, you know, what you're going to be using it for, or what the end goal is. Yeah, this film's yeah, in 4K. No, if you're, <laughs> yeah. Crazy. If you're going to be shooting like a like some kind of a promo video, more of like to advertise your business or, you know, some kind of a commercial like that, you probably want some like a professional to help you get that content um, since that's going to be going out to a larger audience. But if it's if you're doing like tip videos for how to use your products or anything like that or just doing um, like Ellen said, like we're showing you today how we scoop our ice cream or how we're going to show you around our miniature golf course you don't have to hire a videographer to come out and do that. So it kind of just depends on what the goals of your video are and um, like what you want to use them for. Um, Another really great way, I think it goes along with what John was saying. When somebody gives you a recommendation for someone, you want to see their face. You want to hear them speak and, and know that they're going to be a trustworthy person. Well, the same thing goes for customer testimonials and themselves. So not just like me saying, Hey John, you should use this person, but if there is, if you have customers that really love using your services or love working with you, ask them to film a short video just giving their testimonial about your business and your services and put that on your website. Anybody can just write up the text and put it on your website. Now, I know that we don't, we're not saying that it's okay to be dishonest and just say, you know, here's a quote from so-and-so because that's bad. But don't do that. But when I look at someone's website and there is an actual video versus just a written quote, I know for certain that is the person that person is saying that they trust this business. They're willing to put their face and their name on here and say, you know, we are endorsing this business. We're endorsing this product. And here you go. So that's another great way just to get um, some video onto your website and get that trust within maybe some new customers. And it's also like that to your testimonial point. It's also like it takes five minutes or less to like leave a Google review or a Facebook review. Like if you appreciate whatever service that company provided you well enough to take time out of your day to record a video 
and okay. probably have some like decent lighting and like mm-hmm. make yourself look all purdy before you do it and then make that video and then send it to the the cut the, the business to put it up on their website like that shows that you actually do care about what you say because yeah. I can I can go on anyone's Google review and say this is great but that you know like you said that doesn't hold as much weight but it doesn't hold as much near it's like it's not like it's like a and B, it's like mm-hmm. A and way over here. Because if I'm taking time to make a 10 minute video or you know, taking 10 minutes of my day to record a video, send it to the people, like you got to really either give me 50 bucks or really, you know, I must really love you to give a video yeah. testimonial for your product. Right. I can't think of any companies offhand that I would take time out of my day to record a video for and say, <laughs> I love you that much. But if you see one of those, it's probably legit, unless you see it yeah. at the bottom paid you know this is not a customer (laughs) paid endorser paid actor yeah Yeah. (laughs) um and another great thing that i wanted to really talk about for what video is used for uh so we've kind of hit on this but it's really good just for storytelling so storytelling and telling narratives is huge when it comes to marketing but especially for nonprofit marketing so if you are a nonprofit. People want to know what your mission is, what your goals are, who you're working for. You know, you're usually working towards some, you know, you're working in some mission, some greater goal that can sometimes tug at people's heartstrings. The best way to get that out is video, storytelling, Um, you know, blogs, like storytelling in the traditional sense in terms of, you know, paragraph by paragraph blog. That's wonderful. But if you can put together a nice video again, that's just going to evoke that much more emotion from people and get them on board with your mission. And hopefully, you know, especially for nonprofits, you're looking for fundraising opportunities and donors. So hopefully, you know, that's how you're going to get those donors on board. So I really wanted to touch on that, just the importance of storytelling mm-hmm. and the ability to do that with video. What's great about videos as well is um, their ability to be reused. Um, so, you know, when you take one long video, so say, let's go back to the testimonial example, say you take the time to interview one of your customers or one of your clients, and they record a 15 minute testimonial video. Okay, awesome. You can take that entire video and you can embed it on your site with a little bit of a write up about, you know, what the client or the patient or the customer talks about. And then you can take that 15 minute video and you can segment it out to, you know, different little sound bits. And then you can use each of those sound bits across different social media channels. You can use them, um, like if you have a slider, like if you have a waiting room or something like that, you can include those in the slider. You can include them in email marketing. And then you can also reuse them like six months down the road. Like I cannot Mm -hmm. tell you how many times I've watched, like there's this one, um, city of Springfield, promo video that they did a while back for um the uh, the event they do at Mother Stewart's with the indie rock band and and I have watched that same video like four times because I love watching the community come together at an event it was just really well recorded and and cut together um so people will sit there and watch the same video multiple times if they care about the content and it's intriguing and inviting and then you know you've taken you know, one afternoon of recording this time with a customer or client and, you know, you've gotten tons of different opportunities for content out of it, just out of that, that one afternoon of time investment. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I try to, when we have video shoots out at Young's, whether I'm doing them or someone else is doing it, I try to get as much B-roll as possible for yeah. that reason. Because almost all of it's evergreen, except when you build a new building. And then some of your content, no, your video content is no longer evergreen. But for the most part, most businesses don't change that drastically. So anything you shoot today is good two or three years from now. You just need to recrop it, reshoot it, you know, put a different title bar over it. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in the the possibilities of shooting just evergreen content as a whole, those are, yeah, like you said, those are things that you can throw in a Facebook post. You can throw in a YouTube video. You can throw in a montage mm-hmm. thing later on. So even like old videos that, that we've got from news agencies being out at the farm in like the 80s and 90s, like from the Easter egg hunt. Like it's, I mean, it's the same principle. There's kids in a field picking up Easter eggs. The fields change like five or six times, but it's the same idea. Plus it looks cool. Like in the old grainy footage of, you know, little John running through the field trying <laughs> to get Easter eggs. So. Well, and it's more about, um, so kind of, I think what, where we're all going with this, it's, I think that recording video can seem a little bit intimidating because it feels mm-hmm. a little bit more technical than like snapping a picture or just like writing a blog post. But what you're going to find is that it's not necessarily the actual recording where you're going to spend the most time and you're going to spend the most thought. It's the pre-planning. So it's really thinking through what your goals are for these videos. It's thinking through, like what John said, different opportunities for B-roll or um, the different shots that you want to get. And that's where you know that expert in video marketing or at least an expert in digital marketing in general is going to be very helpful. Like I'll give a shout out to Annette Ferrero. Um, she has done photography and videography for a few different clients of ours, and she's absolutely fantastic. Um, but what's great about working with Annette is that she really comes up with these concept ideas. So she talks through with the with the patient, with the client beforehand um, about you know what are our goals for this time, what are all the different opportunities that we can use to share your story, and then you know mm-hmm. she gets amazing video and fantastic photos that we're able to use across a whole bunch of different um, channels for our clients. So it's really that pre-planning, making sure that you have a list or you have an idea at least of what you want to do during that time so you can get the most out of the actual recording process. Um, so yeah, it's a lot more just like prep beforehand than it is actually yeah. the the recording part. Right. Now, don't let that scare you away, guys, because let's remember, like, you don't have to not everything has to be this big production and this professional looking commercial. Um, There's there's a ton of ways to market yourself, as we've talked about, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, ever since we've even been an agency, Um, there's, you know, your website, social media, there are all kinds of platforms uh, that you can use. And a lot of these platforms are now gearing specifically towards video. So like Instagram, they're moving more towards having um, the reels and the having video in your stories. And Facebook is kind of going that way, too, just having the ability to have the videos and the live and the um, reels coming up on Facebook as well. So those videos aren't necessarily ones that you have to have someone like Annette come out and shoot for you. Um, as long as you have someone on your team that's willing to get their phone out and shoot a little um, video promo or how to behind the scenes, whatever it is. Um, now, there is a topic that I wanted to talk about today because I have seen it countless times and I think it's worth noting um, with small businesses. So we talk about social media video and um, the importance of choosing the right type of video. So do you want to share a pre-recorded video about something or do you want to go live on your platform? So, um, 
Ellen, have you ever went live on your social media platforms? You, yes, like you personally? Have. have you um, really? Not me personally, but I did at a previous employer. Oh, okay. Yeah. So and actually, I, I used to work um, at a marketing company in Springfield called Holmes Marketing. And we used to do like a weekly live with um, Jenga. Jenga. Like the yeah, team really that. loved yeah. doing Jenga live. And we would have different guests from the community. And they would, you know, talk about their organization or their company. And then we would get to play Jenga. So it was this really creative way mm-hmm. um, to, you know, have the team get together um, and then also get to promote somebody in the community. Um, just a, about what they're doing to to further Springfield forward, um, and but it, it was also like lighthearted. But it yeah. was a little intimidating the first few times when I joined the team because I was like, "Oh my gosh, like I'm on live, like this is happening right now," mm-hmm. um, and like you can't take anything back. But after a while, you kind of just you forget that it's there, and you just get to have fun, and then you have this really like really genuine recording of what it's like to be a part of the Holmes team at that time. Um, and then also like what it's like to to work with them as well. So it was mm-hmm. really fun. I enjoyed it. That is a wonderful example. I'm glad that you had that. Um, I had no idea she was going to come in with that strong of an example of why and how <laughs> you sorry. can go live on your social media channel. So that is wonderful. Um, John, do you have any examples? Have, have you or... I mean, I know we went live a couple times from Young's. Yeah, we've done a few at Young's. When um, Young started, or not when Young's, when Facebook started doing the the Facebook Live, if you did anything, you would get massive amounts of people because Facebook really wanted to push the concept of going mm-hmm. live to other people and other business owners so they could monetize it down the road. So <laughs> so because of that, we used that algorithm to really do a lot of like fun videos. So we did, I mean, we've probably done under 50, I would say, but it's, and it's been a while since we've done one, but we did one at the opening. You, you and uh, Other Ellie were there. Uh, other Ellie. Help, or Piper, as we just call her, because <laughs> we, we can't have two Ellies on the team at the same I time. Know. It's a rule. So, uh, we, yeah, with, with uh, Governor DeWine, um, I think that's probably the last one we've done, but we've got a couple ideas to do other ones. It's just a matter of getting it scheduled. But, uh, you know, the, the thing about them is, is you're right, Ellen. It's live uh, to the world, and technically, it stays out there forever if someone were to capture it and record mm-hmm. it. So there is that that fear factor. But for the most part, any of our clients and most of the people listening to this, you're talking to at max fifty people. So it's not like it's not like you're broadcasting live on CNBC. Like you're broadcasting yeah. live to a small group of Facebook fans of the page that you're broadcasting from. So I think the most people that we've ever gotten for a a Young's live was. Upwards of a thousand, mm-hmm. which is a lot, but you know, I, I the reason I don't like it is that you can't. It's hard to, and I don't know if they've changed this because I haven't done one recently. Is they don't allow you to turn comments or you know the emoticons off, like the likes and hates and loves. I just hate yeah. that. I just hate. I don't know. I, I and we're gonna well, get back that's, into the Facebook. That's kind of <laughs> yeah. That's kind of one of the things though, where that is the point of a live video, which is something I wanted to talk about is the ability to interact with your audience live. So think through why you're doing this live and if you want that interaction because it is going to be live. Um, So the example that John gave when they had an actual event, they had the governor out there speaking, that is 100% an instance where it would be cool to show that live because if somebody can't make it out to Young's at that time, they want this is a big event. They want to watch it happening in real time. So that was a really good use of... Um, the live video. Um, You just have to remember, I mean, like we mentioned, it's live, so you can't 
you can't cut anything out. You can't really control what happens. Um, the mm-hmm. quality of the video is a little less because, again, you can't control certain aspects of the video. Um, and just I guess if you're trying to decide my point here is if you're trying to decide whether you should make a live video or just record the video, pre-record it and post it as a video is think about what is the purpose of this? Mm-hmm. So like Ellen gave that example um, when she was at uh, Holmes Marketing about and that was that's a fun way just to interact with guests, have people on there. And and if you choose to get on and watch, if you have an interest in whoever the guest was or you just want to watch them do their thing, that's wonderful. But you also have to let your audience know that it's happening. So I think that that's one of the biggest downfalls, too, with live video is you're not going to get an audience watching it because no one knew that it was coming. No one knew you were going to be doing it. So it is something you kind of have to plan ahead for. You can't just pop up and all of a sudden say, hey, we're live for anybody who's just wanting like randomly scrolling through Facebook and wants to sit and watch this video. Um, It works better if it if there is a plan behind it or at least something leading up, letting your audience know like, hey, we're going to be going live tomorrow at 9 a.m. with special guest, insert name here, to talk yeah. about this and answer some questions that come through. Perfect I remember example. the one uh, before the governor was we did a cow milking demonstration uh, live. Oh, so it was cool. my, my me filming dad in the barn with, uh, I would say, Stuart. I think it was one of the cousins doing some cow milking and we had planned to go live. We had promoted like, Hey, five o'clock on Tuesday, whenever it was, we're going to go live. You're going to watch a cow milking demonstration. And, um, I found out right before that I have a little, um, little phone holder thing. That's like, it's on a gimbal and it's motorized. So it stays focused on the person, but you can't for the, whatever reason, Facebook had just up Facebook updated their software again. Let me, let me tell you if you heard this one before, uh, it wouldn't let me go live with the gimbal and the audio at the same time. Mm. So like we were planning on going live at five o'clock and I was like, well, shoot, we can't because either we're going to have video and no audio or it's just going to be me with shaky cam. So what we did is recorded it real quick. And then I, uh, right when we got done, I said, Hey, we had some technical problems. We're going to go live at five 30. But in reality, we didn't go live at five 30. I uploaded the video and had a premiere party or whatever Facebook calls it now, where it's like a yeah. premiere of a video. So it, it presents as live. And then it was live, so you know, lying to our audience. But it was it was uh, it was live to re- was it live to tape? Is that what the TV calls it? Live to something like that. I don't know. Sure, I don't know. But it, but to that point, you could you could record something and have a premiere party. I know YouTube does that as well, where you can mm-hmm. have a video ready to go and premiere it as live, so you can watch it along with your audience and interact with them mm-hmm. in a much easier format. Especially if if you are the content creator, the one that would also be interacting. It's hard to film direct act and communicate all at the same time oh yeah even just when i was recording even when i was just recording the video like i was on one platform doing the the video at young's for um governor dewine and i'm holding my phone and i'm holding my arm with my other hand because my it it was so long and i was i was losing steam and i'm seeing (laughs) these comments come through and even if we wanted to reply and comment back I couldn't because I'm like, I'm, I'm one person. I'm trying to make sure that the recording is good and I can't get on and interact like in that time right away with these questions. Um, unless we had a setup where, you know, it was like a tripod and we're doing a Q and a, and we're watching these come in on someone else's phone maybe. And we can, you know, a- answer questions that way or whatever it might be. So oh, yeah. you do have to keep all of that in mind that it is, you have the ability for it to be very interactive and wonderful to interact with your audience, but 
it is a little difficult and it takes some planning. So do what yeah. John did when he was milking the cow and just pre-record. <laughs> just lie. But he, he, here's <laughs> you, you just mentioned one thing that should go without without saying, but people wouldn't really think of this. Use a tripod when you're filming. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wish I would have grabbed mine out of my other podcast kit, but I've got a tripod. I've got a tripod that has a clamp on it for my phone. So that's how we film the Scarlet Laftastic Extravaganza podcast. It just I put it in between us, and I have a software that allows you to record out the front camera and the back camera simultaneously. But you could just use it. Obviously, oh. you could just use it for the one nice. the one thing. But it clamps the phone either in landscape or portrait mode. So then you're free to use, you know, your magic fingers and whatnot. So, but any any kind of film you're going to do, whether it's with a, a DSLR or a little Sony point and shoot or your phone, get a tripod. Because mm-hmm. I, I won't mention the person, but I just saw a political ad that is seemingly well funded, and at there are parts of his ad. Uh, that we're not using a tripod. So tripod. So like at the end of a scene, like you go, you see the camera go like that. And oh. Like I don't know if anyone would notice it, but I noticed it because I was looking for <laughs> flaws in it anyway. Which there's oh a my lot gosh. of flaws, but I'm not mentioning who it is. I, don't do I don't that. want any. I, would I don't say, want any political hate. Ellie, if I could have like a last last thought, if you will, absolutely. On this I think what you're going to find is in most things that we talk about on this podcast, there are two things to keep in mind is we're going to say you need to plan ahead and you need to make sure that it's sustainable. So even if you think that you want to do something that's a little bit like off the fly, like you just decide out of the blue, like, oh, I want to record this. Okay, well, you got to make sure that you have all the tools available and you got to make sure that you have the team members available to do that. So you need to make sure that you're planning ahead, even when you want to be spontaneous. Yeah. Um, And then you need to make sure that it's sustainable. So if you decide that you want to, you know, do a few pre-recorded videos, plan that out throughout the year. Um, I have one client um, that I she is fantastic. She plans her year in advance, really high level. And then she breaks it down per quarter. So like each year she has like very generally kind of what she wants to do. And then she plans it a little bit more in advance each quarter. So it's not too overwhelming. It's a sustainable process for planning. But she makes sure that she has it, you know, in her budget and in her time to record a video or get testimonials ready to go or, you know, write these blog posts. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to it's gonna take a lot at the beginning. And it can feel a little bit overwhelming, which is where, again, I would say, you know, either – get somebody in house to help you out or partner with a digital marketing agency that can help you with that planning process. But if you plan ahead and you create a plan that's sustainable, you're going to be golden no matter what mm-hmm. industry you are or what organization you are. But you need those two things. because if you, if you don't plan ahead or it's something that you can't keep up on a regular basis, it's going to fall flat or it's not going to happen at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, Ellen mentioned things that we will always talk about. Another word there is consistency. So, you know, the consistency is going to fall off there. So uh, if you decide one day, oh, I want to start a TikTok because this this TikTok trend looks fun. Let's go ahead and do this and start up. If you create like five TikToks and you're doing good and then all of a sudden you're like, uh, we don't really have the time for that anymore. Um, and that kind of falls off, then there goes your audience or, you know, they're going to start to think, oh, this content's not reliable. We don't need to follow along with it. You're not going to be gaining new followers. And you don't want those posts to just be sporadic. Just like you don't want to start having video content on your website. Like if you're doing how-to videos or, you know, whatever it might be, you don't want to have those and then 
somebody gets on there and realizes, oh, well, the last time these were really helpful, but the last time that they've done one was three years ago. What's going on? Like, are these is this still relevant for this product or are there updates to it? Um, So you do kind of want to you want to be mindful with that, like Ellen said, planning ahead and just making sure it's sustainable for you if you want to get into this. But overall, video is a wonderful tool to use for telling your story and letting your audience get to know who you are and get to know your brand. Um, So any any other last thoughts on on videos, John, from you over there, who's probably watching the Masters right now? I keep seeing you kind of veer off. <laughs> I am. Tiger almost made a big putt. Just, oh. I won't, I won't, I won't do play oh. by play because it won't be relevant because you'll already won by the time this podcast goes live. So, <laughs> no, no, I don't have any other thoughts. You, you two said it beautifully as usual. All right. We well, it it's finally time for our beloved yes. segment, "What Grinds My Gears," and this week it's Ellen. So, Ellen. Go for it. Okay. Um, I'm a little stressed about this one because it is something I'm very passionate about, but I, I, I need you to hear it the right way. I'm ready. <laughs> so don't, don't take yourself. it the wrong way. So what grinds my gears um, is when creatives can't see past their ego. Um, so I have... I have been the creative myself as a content creator, as a writer. I have been a part of managing creatives. I have been a part of just being on a team with creatives. And what I can find is there are um, there are some creatives that confuse being creative in their role with being an artist. Um, so, you know, there's a difference between disagreeing with a client. I wrote notes because I want to make sure I get this right. There's a you difference could have definitely between... said that last sentence <laughs> way meaner. So I think that's what you meant earlier. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, there's a difference between disagreeing with a client because of a best practice that you know or previous experience or decisions backed by research and just not wanting to change your specific vision for an idea. So, you know, whether it's a video or a blog post or a website or a graphic design, when you are creating on behalf of a client, ultimately the final product is theirs, not yours. So while I don't want anybody to be a yes person, um, You also shouldn't fight with the client over preferences you hold just because you created it. Ultimately, if they insist on something, you need to do it and you need to let it go. Um, So I talked to my husband about this and I actually talked about it. We were talking about it this morning. We should have had him as a guest on this episode because literally video production is his entire job. Um, But he talks about this a lot in video marketing and um in video creation and in digital creation in general is that um, graphic designers, videographers, writers can get really hung up on, you know, what they created and they don't want to see it in their eyes ruined or changed. But ultimately you need to remember you're not an artist. You're not creating this for yourself. You're creating this on behalf of a client. Um, So Mm -hmm. do your due diligence when it comes to steering them in the right direction when it comes to best practices. I have disagreed with clients a lot when I, you know, really want them to get the most out of their efforts. But ultimately, if they want a website page designed a certain way, or if they want content a certain way, I will say, respectfully, I disagree because of these pointed reasons, but ultimately it's your channel, it's your image, it's your brand. So I'm going to do 
what you want me to do in this moment. Mm -hmm. And I've had clients come back to me, you know, six months down the road and be like, ah, you know what? You're actually right. I want it this way instead. Um, And sometimes they don't. And but at the end of the day, you know, you have to remember that that it's not yours. It's the clients. And that's really hard for some people. (laughs) So that's what grinds my gears. How many times have you told I said I told you so in a meeting? To their face? Or yeah. just internally. I just, I just, I just want to see the uh, the le- the level of uh, ego that you have. I feel like, so I feel like the reason. So just to be really transparent, I feel like the reason that this is what grinds my gears is because this used to be me when I first started in my career. It used to be really, really hard for me to recognize that the client is going to have edits, and those edits may not be what I would recommend but I still need to do them. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was really hard for me because I would be really proud of something that I'd put together, whether it was a blog post or a social media graphic or something. And I would just have to kind of swallow my pride and be like, okay, wait a second. Like I'm not the one paying for this service. Somebody else is. Mm -hmm. So there have been many websites that have taken me. Most of our websites are two to four months, but there have been many ones that take over six months because we go through, so many revision cycles, but that by the end of it, I just hate it. Like yeah. I literally don't want to look. I want this website to be done yesterday, so I stop looking at it because you've turned what I thought was a very beautiful creature of art into a pile of garbage. And you love it, but you're going to tell me later that you don't love it. And I'm going to inside here. I'm going to say I told you so. But outward, I'm going to say, of course, we can make those changes <laughs> to optimize your website for better performance. Yeah. So that's what I think. That's what you're getting at. Yeah, I um the one thing that we've we've pinged on in every episode is consistency. And I think to your your point of kind of letting your ego go as a creative, even consistency can vary from industry to industry or even from client to client. So, while consistency is important, what what is consistent in your mind to tell the client may not be either doable or needed from from the, from your perspective to that client. So whether it's video mm-hmm. or Facebook or blogging, like we might say, Hey, um, you know, a garbage truck company, you need to be posting at least, uh, three things on Facebook every week. And you need to have two blogs a month on how to recycle better. Or this is the time that the trash goes out or, you know, composting tips or whatever. And they might say, well, I don't think so. Cause we have a pretty sustainable client business. We just need to have a, a digital brochure for our website. And then that's all we need. And so, you know, we could say, these are the things that I think will work. And they say, no, we can't continue to say, well, no, uh, it's the, our way or the highway. Like, we, <laughs> you know, we try not to do that because we try not to let her get her ego in the way. And we try to let our clients kind of have free reign on what they need to do. Um, yeah. So that, that's, I think, I think that's the biggest part for me when I, when I get to, because I feel like I'm right a lot, uh, except when you? I talk, talk to my wife, no. and then I feel like I'm wrong all the time. But I, I, I think that goes, I mean, we could have a 40-minute conversation on just personalities and the way our culture is about always wanting to be right with everything and kind of the gamification of, of life saying that, you know, I need to get more points on my side because I want to show everyone that I'm right and they're wrong. Um, so a lot of what we do is kind of theoretical and ego-based. So we have, to, we have to get away from it when it either doesn't work out or their client says, no, I don't, I don't want to do that that way. Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, it's our job to provide our expertise. You're hiring us to do a job of of what we are experts in. But ultimately, like Ellen said, you're our client. Like, it's it's your image that this is going for. So ultimately, if this isn't what you want, we have to change it. And I have Mm -hmm. a really 
good example of it's funny i just thought of this ellen um when i, I used to work for uh, a company and i did uh, some digital advertising for them for clients and we had a graphic design team and when we would need to be designing ads for our clients I would put together a graphic request and say everything that I wanted on that graphic. And if they sent it back to me based on what I knew from the client or what they wanted, and or even if I sent that to the client and they didn't like it and they wanted something different, if I took that back to the graphic design team and I said, hey, I need you to take this off or also put this on there, I almost every time if I had edits to the graphics, it would be a fight. And they would say, no, we we can't do that or we that's going to look bad or the the placement isn't right there. But it's like, I don't care that's what the client wants. Um, This was their feedback or um, they specifically wanted this wording on there. I know you might think that it's too wordy, but they specifically wanted this sentence on there. You have to put it on there. It would be a fight almost every time. And so I was just this middleman who was going back and forth between the graphics team and the client. And it was it was always a mess. So um, I know exactly what you're talking about there. It's, you know, their their ego is kind of in the way because they're the they're the trying to be the artist here and trying to say, you know, no, that's not going to look good. But it's like, that's not what they want, though. So sorry about you. As Elsa said, you got to let it go. Got to let let. I don't think she was talking about her ego, per se. Or was she? She might have been. She was kind of talking about her ego. Is this turning into a musical? Are we about to start singing? Let it go. (laughs) So your your example was great, Ellie. I think it's also like keeping in mind, and this is why like I don't want a whole bunch of like creatives to come be mad at me after this episode if anybody listens to it. But because I am a creative myself, and like I said, this is a journey that I'm still going through. But like it's it's also a very case by case basis. You know, like if a client came to us and said like. I don't want a menu on my website. I would fight them on that. I would say, you know what? I think there needs to be a hierarchy of content and people need to know where to go easily. I don't think you should just hyperlink random pages throughout a site. I think you need a menu on your site. Mm -hmm. But if they come to me and they say, um, I think uh, one of the biggest issues we have with clients, um, love them, but they always think not always. They regularly think that everything on their website is just as important as everything else. And so what we can end up with is 10 things in the main menu. And industry standard says, you know, five, maybe six is the most that you should have in the top menu of your website. And so we are going to recommend to clients based on what we have seen work best. Hey, this is how many things you should have in your top menu. And we're going to find them on it a few times. But ultimately, mm-hmm. if the client says, absolutely not, I want these 10 things in my top menu, John's going to grit his teeth. Dan Young. And say, <laughs> I don't recommend this, we but I'm going to do it. We call it client. <laughs> but I'm going to do it because you are, this is your website. Yeah, um, but I had even website. seen, I'm sorry, what? I said, yeah, like ultimately you're paying us to do your website. So if this is what yeah. you want, then this is, we'll give it to you. Or even just like I think it I think it's important like and I feel like John and Rachel have taught me a lot about this, especially in the last three years, is just, you know, not taking things so personally or so seriously when it comes to mm-hmm. a client. Um, I think what you find as well is that like one what one person loves, another person is gonna hate. And it has nothing to do with you as a person. We just have we all have different preferences and we all have different 
processes for things. So like it's it's fine, but like just don't take it so personally and just yeah. kind of do do what the client is asking for after you've given your expertise and mm-hmm. and kind of move on with your day because it's just it's not really worth it. Like it's not worth it to fight with the client. It's not worth it to have an upset client. Um as long as you've done your due diligence with what, letting them know what you recommend based on your experience and industry trends. Um mm-hmm. again, I don't want any yes people out there. Um because your client doesn't hire you to just be a yes person. Um or at least our clients don't. But, you know, it's kind of like pick your battles situation. Mm-hmm. Not everything right. has to be a battle. Ellen, what a lovely what grinds my gears for this week. Um Thank you. I think that does it on time for us today though. So, um Thanks we'll for tuning our, in. Our yeah. Next week. We'll answer a few. Yeah. There we'll we'll try to have some shorter topics and answer some. Uh we have a lot of good questions. I feel like we can try to answer some just kind of random questions. Maybe that can be like a whole episode where we just go through and answer different marketing questions. So Q and A Here's yeah, the problem Q&A. is that we're we're all three of us right all the time and we have so many good ideas <laughs> that it's hard to limit us. It's, you can't put us in a box. Yeah. Uh, we're just going to be a wealth of knowledge all the time. Week in, week out, we're here bringing the knowledge. I'm a peacock. You got to let me fly. What's that from? That's from uh, the, uh, the other guys. Yes, it is. Yeah. One of my favorite I movies. I can't. I can't. <laughs> now you're going to make me watch the other guys. I'm going to have the other guys going over here on this screen. I'm going to have the masters <laughs> going on over here on this screen. And then no work getting done in the middle part of the screen. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't care about the two screens, but as long as you have that website that I need you to work on, I'm going to name the client. It's, I need you to do that. It's halfway done. Right. Halfway done. I'm working on it. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Perfect. Bye. Okay, bye. Peace. <laughs>